This is the More Than Right Podcast, an independent view of politics and American culture. I'm your host, Steve Lopez. Comedian Bill Maher once quipped that Napa Valley in Northern California's wine country is a Disneyland for alcoholics and the only place in America where you can pass out in a stranger's house, and it's okay, because it's a B&B, and you paid for it. Last Saturday, Paul Pelosi, the 82-year-old husband of Democrat House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, was driving his 2021 Porsche near the Napa Valley town of Yountville when his car was struck by a young man driving a modest 2014 Jeep. In a statement to the press, the California Highway Patrol said a sobriety test given Pelosi found he had a blood alcohol level of 0.08%. That suggests Pelosi consumed four to five adult beverages before hitting the open road. Pelosi was arrested for driving while intoxicated and taken into custody. The crash occurred five miles from the Pelosi's 16-and-a-half-acre vineyard near the Napa River. Purchased in the 1990s, the property cost $2 million and came with a 3,314-foot home, to which the couple added another 2,400 square feet of living space. According to the Los Angeles Times, quote, In 2005, the Napa Valley Planning Commission granted the Pelosi's a permit to operate a 5,000-gallon-per-day winery, allowing for weekly wine tastings, unquote. In response to her husband's arrest, Speaker Pelosi's office released the following statement, quote, The Speaker will not be commenting on this private matter, which occurred while she was on the East Coast, unquote. First, her husband's crash and subsequent arrest for drunk driving is hardly private. The incident is a matter of public record, and that record is posted for the press and public to view. Sunshine, it said, is the best disinfectant. Second, it's interesting that Speaker Pelosi makes a point of distancing herself, continentally speaking, from her husband's suspected alcohol-soaked mishap. Polls show Democrats will take a beating in the coming midterm elections thanks to high inflation, unprecedented gas prices, illegal immigration, supply chain disruptions, rising crime, and baby formula shortages. Speaker Pelosi doesn't need more negative news thrown atop this Everest-sized mountain of disasters, especially stories about well-heeled Democrats, members of the so-called party of the little guy, living in the lap of luxury. Some might ask how a longtime Washington politician making an annual salary of $220,000 has a net worth estimated at $114 million combined with the fortune of her alleged misdemeanor drunk-driving husband, the power couple has an equally powerful combined fortune of $202 million. According to Nancy Pelosi's 2019 financial disclosure report, the House Speaker owns $1 million in Amazon stock, $500,000 in Apple stock, from which she collects a $100,000 annual dividend. And, collects $2 million in rents from the couple's commercial properties, to name just a few revenue streams. Oh, and Pelosi's vineyard on Zinfandel Lane 
yields an income of $1 million for the sale of grapes to local vintners. You see, Russia isn't the only nation with corrupt government oligarchs. Recently, President Joe Biden tried to put a positive spin on rising gas prices, describing it as a, quote, incredible transition, unquote, away from fossil fuels to green energy alternatives. According to the book, Throw Them All Out, author Peter Schweitzer notes that Pelosi was an early investor in the publicly traded company Clean Energy Fuels. According to Schweitzer, quote, As Speaker, Nancy Pelosi pushed a series of bills that would benefit clean energy fuels. The stock did well. The Pelosi's got in at around $12 a share. By April 2010, it was trading at more than $20 a share, unquote. When reporters asked Madam Speaker if such practices smacked of insider trading, a felony crime that sent lifestyle guru Martha Stewart to prison for five months, the arch-liberal legislator talked up the virtues of American capitalism. We are a free market economy, said Pelosi. They, by which she meant members of Congress, should be able to participate in that. With Nancy Pelosi expected to lose her leadership position following the political tsunami to come this November, the millions of dollars she's made in more than three decades serving in Congress will surely soften the blow. By Pelosi's own admission, she is not alone in benefiting financially from privileged knowledge of pending regulatory legislation that made her and other members of Congress richer than 18th-century French aristocracy. It said French Queen Marie Antoinette always had a wine-runner in tow. His job was to always have snacks and wine on hand should Her Royal Majesty get a craving. A job Paul Pelosi may fill when his wife retires from Congress to settle among the soft rolling hills of their Napa Valley vineyard and estate. It's likely you first heard of it while watching the news or your favorite show on TV. But today, transgenderism is a topic you can't escape. When the condition was first recognized by the psychological community in the early 1980s, it was given the label gender dysphoria. According to the Mayo Clinic, gender dysphoria is defined as, quote, the feeling of discomfort or distress that may occur in people whose gender identity differs from their sex assigned at birth or sex-related physical characteristics, unquote. And this crisis in sexual identity comes with other challenges. According to Psychology Today, quote, those with gender dysphoria unfortunately experience substance-related disorders, suicidal ideation, suicide attempts more commonly than those in the general population. After gender transition occurs, suicide risk may dissipate or persist, depending on the adjustment of the individual. Children with gender dysphoria may manifest existing separation anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, or symptoms of depression. Adults may display anxiety 
and depressive symptoms as well. Unquote. In other words, the life of the gender dysphoric is clearly not a happy one, even after achieving the goal of gender reassignment. The Los Angeles Times sports writer Mike Penner, who I worked with in the 1980s, chronicled his transition in the pages of the Times in 2007. Quote, When you reach the point when one gender causes heartache and unbearable discomfort, and the other brings more joy and fulfillment than you ever imagined possible, it shouldn't take two tons of bricks to fall in order to know what to do. Unquote. A month later, his wife Lisa filed for divorce, telling Penner, quote, I don't ever want to see you that way. Unquote. Soon thereafter, Penner wrote his articles under his byline, Christine Daniels. That lasted for eight months. Inexplicably, he changed his byline back to Mike Penner and identified, once again, as male. He confided to friends that he hoped to reunite with his ex-wife, though he believed it unlikely. On November 28, 2009, Mike Penner was found dead in his apartment, a victim of suicide. So how did misfortunates grappling with gender dysphoria suddenly become a topic for the highly exploitive arenas of entertainment and politics? The short answer is their minority status. Transgenders account for 0.4% of the U.S. population, and that makes them an ideally manageable group to exploit for political purposes. That's because the Democrat media complex refuses to see people as individuals. Instead, they prefer to divide us into neat groups and subgroups they believe are in need of organizing. This is what's called identity politics, where people are reduced to the level of mindless cattle. Individuals need not apply. We saw this disgusting exploitation of people's pain after the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, with Democratic gubernatorial candidate Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke and President Joe Biden using the victims and mourning family members as political cudgels to advance their party's anti-Second Amendment agenda. They are following advice from the political playbook of President Obama's former chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, who famously said, quote, never let a crisis go to waste, unquote. Individuals and their pain are mere stepping stones to power whether they are suffering from the psychological shock of gender dysphoria or the trauma of losing family members to senseless murder. Cynical Democrats see them as cogs in the machinery of their mass movement. Philosopher Eric Hoffer said, quote, The permanent misfits can find salvation only in a complete separation from the self. They usually find it by losing themselves in the compact collectivity of a mass movement, unquote. In other words, exploiters like Beto O'Rourke and President Joe Biden are the true misfits. Their lack of empathy for the psychological suffering of others, their callous manipulation of mourners for transitory political ends, proves they are afflicted by a dark psychological condition themselves. They suffer from the disease of decency dysphoria. That concludes this edition of the More Than Right podcast. 
If you wish to make a comment, you can contact the show at morethanrightpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Steve Lopez.